I tell them welcome to the gray area And stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate Every other Thursday, politics to the chips Get up on this wave <laughs> Now tell me what's to talk about Cause we the only thing to talk about How you keep reality in check Just keep it real rap and don't gossip with the facts, yeah It's time for us to display a new chapter in the gray area. The Kings County pull-up, the Kings County check-in. And this is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! So the whole idea behind the Kings County check-in is to bring people who are in my personal life, who I find to be interesting, thought-provoking, Annoying or just like <laughs> on the opposite side of the spectrum because it's like as I'm like very strongly opinionated as you know you listen to the show but I like people who establish themselves have countering opinions to myself and can support said opinions like if you could debate me and we could have an argument and we could have a full argument and be cool afterwards I like you and I want to talk to you some more it's weird it is what it is <laughs> but the first person that I wanted to do this Kings County check in with is the voice of the thirsty degenerate and he is the thirsty degenerate himself Jamo no shamo links to Leguizamo what it is bro Jarvis what an intro yeah man absolutely. I'm so glad to be here listen bro I've, I've been doing this show for nearly two years episode 50 is on the way mm-hmm. um, two year anniversary is on the way you were part of the one year anniversary yep um, and it's like I felt for a little bit the show became too basketball centric, and when mm. I and when I rolled out the gray area, the gray area is kind of supposed to represent you know me in a sense. Right. You know, I like to tell the truth. I like to talk uncomfortable truths. Sometimes I'm going to talk about black people and say things that black people are not going to like, and vice versa for other races. Right. Sometimes I want to talk about sports and and debate sports and just tell you ESPN is lying to you. This show is telling you the truth, but it's like it's been so much basketball, 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 basketball. I kind of forgot about the Giants. <laughs> I've kind of ignored politics and and, and the, the juicy, salacious race topics. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know what? And and the people who have stories to tell. Like my last episode of the Culture Vulture Part 3, yes. I had the homie Jare on there. And that's the essence that I wanted to get back to. And I now I wanted to let people know my friends, get to know the people that I talk to on a regular basis. So this is what the Kings County check-in is about. Every now and again, someone's going to get in the hot seat. They're going to get a little personal, as personal as they want to get, because I'm never going to drag deep down info out of you. And we just gonna talk. So you know yeah. what it is, man. We want we the podcast half of the rap round table. That's you know right. I mean? That's right. We are we're the the we're like that offense with the two point guards. You know, we run Basically. we run the offense. Right. This this we're like this Chris right Paul here. and Harden. Yes, yes. Applaud this man. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that, or, or even like Dame and, and McCollum, one of you know, yeah, Bradley Bill and John Wall, something like that. You know what I mean? But um, what's going on with your podcast, man? You you I I like your show because it's like. There's so many pods with specific directions, mm-hmm. and I like your directionlessness yeah. about your show. Like that's a good thing because it's like you have your guests come on, and they I can talk about anything. You're not like restricted by any topics. Is that like what you want to do with the show? Yeah, that was kind of the idea from the very beginning, and it was because I knew I wanted to do a podcast, right. but I didn't think that I was an expert in anything. Like mm-hmm. you said, I do have opinions and I do have interests. Uh, but I don't fashion myself to be to an be expert. knowledgeable enough. Yeah, I don't think I'm an expert in anything. But um, you know, like I said, I I, I like a, a wide variety of different things, from sports to mm. politics to a lot of other stuff. So I just love chopping it up with people that I know about that. 
you know, and, and that's what you get from that. Like, yes, essentially, this is a promo for his podcast. This is Please check it out, The Thirsty Degenerate. Care. You know, I just feel as though, like, what I do with the gray area, and I like to talk about sports, I like to tell you this is what the facts are. Forget the stats, forget the narratives. But sometimes you need a break. You, yeah. you need a person to just bring his homie on. And let's talk about some rap. Let's talk about Me Too. Let's talk about our families and, and just give you a different angle on yeah, life. You for know, sure. I feel like you, what you do with your show is kind of like a narrative of, of what your day-to-day is. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think that... I'm a fairly interesting guy. So if I if I'm honest when we Facts. turn the mics on right. and I have people that I have relationships with mm-hmm. and we have interesting conversations and I think that's entertaining. And I think you know we haven't mentioned the rap roundtable yet, but and you and I have spoken about this, but one of the, one of the things that I think is great about that podcast that we do is that the four of us together are having a great time every yes, time we do absolutely, it. Absolutely. And that reflects to the listeners and I try to do that same thing with the Thirsty Degenerate and I'm sure you do the same thing with the gray area well fact that the whole idea is to make the show very palatable and enjoyable for everybody like I want my, my goal when I started podcasting years ago was like for the listener to feel as though they're in the room, they're privy to a conversation and they're in the conversation right. laughing or arguing back or whatever it is, whatever emotion it elicits, you're part of that. And that's what I've always tried to do. Like, cause I believe that if I'm just talking at you or I'm doing my best Stephen A. Smith impersonation, <laughs> yeah. you didn't come here for that. So so why right. am I doing that? Let me give you what you came for. You need a break, you wanna laugh, you wanna cry, you wanna argue. This is what this is what it's all about. That, that's me. kind of what's cool about podcasts, whether it's you know, like whatever level you are, and, right. you know, we're sort of entry level with what yeah, we're doing. Absolutely. But the the cool thing about the medium of the podcast is that it's it's so intimate and mm-hmm. it's like you're a fly on the wall of this conversation. Right. And no other medium is like that. Not even radio. I mean, radio is so controlled by corporations FCC and advertisers. Yeah, but with a podcast, like we can talk about literally anything. Absolutely. And it's it's so democratic. It's just about yeah, you need to let people know that it exists and, mm-hmm. and make people aware of it. But it's really all about people wanting to listen. Right. And the more people listen, the more that it'll it'll have an impact. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, people commute. They drive to work. They're on the train. Yeah. However, they, however they get around. And you consider what with these smartphones and the constant distractions, you want your show to be a good distraction. You know, you, yeah. you want them to dedicate this hour, hour and a half to whatever, however long it is to your show and then tell their friends like, yo, pull up. This guy's pretty interesting. This girl's pretty interesting. For sure. You know, and, and you've done that. Cause I Thanks, remember we man. spoke about it and I told you, I was like, bro, you could you, you should be podcast. I remember that. You know, I don't see why you shouldn't. And it's like you've kind of taken that and you've run with it so far. And I'm like, look at this guy. He's he's doing all right out here. Yeah. I mean, and- and, you know, you had a big part in that, just like showing me that it's doable yep. and uh, so, like giving sort of a sort of a palette, um, a sort of a starter kit, yeah. you know, hooking me up with True, shot the True, um, you know, showing me the ropes in terms of like, you know, this is this is how you do this and that or whatever. Yeah, man, I feel like and I think I said it to you, like and I, and I live by this mantra. I always say the game is free. Like, I'm not going to be one yeah. of these people who's not going to tell you what to do because you can tell anybody what to do. They're still either going to do it or they're not going to do it. Right. So I'm not going to hold out on the info here. It's yours. What you decide to do with it is your business. You know, much like Morpheus and Neo, like he told me he was the one he could have left. Yeah. You know, it's up to you what you decide to do. So it's like I look at podcasting as a way to be free you know and that transitions into your show we we know that you know you're an actor 
You were you well, were I have actor. been in the past. You've been a rapper. These yeah. are things that you've done. And it's like when I listen to your show, I, I hear the varying personalities that leak out. <laughs> Sometimes you're the well-spoken brother, you know? Sometimes yeah. you're, you're, you're BX Borough bar- brother, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're all over the place. A lot of it has to do with the where I am in terms of my consumption of alcohol. Oh, yes. We the, haven't talked about the fact that that uh, the Irish whiskey is such a prominent yo, theme in the episode. It's the because episodes. of you. You have like I never. I don't chase Jameson. Like I never look. <laughs> I never look for this. Then you brought. I think. I think it was one of the first. Episodes I think it we was. Did. Well, the first culture vulture we did for yeah. the gray area. Yeah. I remember Dini brought. I forget like, what like what flavored it was. vodka. It was good. <laughs> it was good. But then I was J-Mo. like, yo, I got y'all next time, and I re- I brought some Jameson. Everyone was like, what. What is this? Like, yeah. you expect a Hennessy or something. And, but everyone kind of liked it. Nah. So then, you know, that's when I became J-Mo No Shamo. Shout to Dini for giving me that, that name on name. episode two of The Thirsty Degenerate. You J-Mo know, No Shamo. It is funny that this bottle of Jameson has become essentially the co-star of the podcast that we do together. You know what Kinda, I mean? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's on the artwork. Yo, Jameson needs to cut you a check, bro. Straight up and yeah, down. Yeah, I'm giving him all this free promo, man. Uh, hands down. I mean, but... Uh, It'll pay off eventually. I, I love Jameson. But the whole gist of what I was saying is with all these hats that you've worn in your life, like, what I want to know is who are you exactly? Like, if someone, you know, if I always use the... the the analogy of ISIS kidnapped you, put oh. a gun to your head and said, who are you? What would you tell him? Well, I'd probably give him my government name. <laughs> Langston Leguizamo is not actually my government name. So let's, I mean, we're here to be real. So let's keep it real. Yeah. Uh, my name's Justin Serrano. I haven't heard that name in years. I know. You're like, <laughs> you know me as Langston. The, the fellas know me as Langston. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's me born and raised in the Bronx. Uh-huh. You know, 100% Puerto Rican. Um... You know, I love hip hop. I love. I don't know, man. This is. I don't know. I don't know. And, that, and, and I get that because, like, <laughs> again, I'm basing this off because I, I feel like you, 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 you've lifted the veil with your podcast as to who you are. Mm. And I'm like, again, sometimes I hear you, you know, and it's like this. You could be a white guy sometimes. And sure. It's like again, the more the JMO falls, fuck out of here, some BX. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, are we allowed to say the? Are we allowed to say the f word on this podcast? Every okay. now and again, I let the TV 14 rating fly. You know okay, what I mean? Right. You know. So it's like I'm like yo, who is this dude? Like 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 at your core, when you with your lady, like like are you somewhere in between the person that we hear on your podcast and the BX Borough drunk dude? Like like is 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 that a fair assessment? It depends on the lady. Okay. Uh, I actually broke up with my lady today. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of damn. Well, she was. <laughs> well, it was, it was time. It was time. Yo, I was hanging out with her uh, last night. I was gonna mm-hmm. spend the night. You know, mm-hmm. just chill, whatever. But she was being really weird. She's she does this thing where I'm you know, she like if she's upset with me about or if she was upset with me about something, right. she would like she wouldn't talk about it. She wouldn't tell me what I was doing wrong. She would just like act oh. really weird and never oh. tell me why. So she drags it and doesn't communicate. Yo, so I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm out. So I bounced yesterday. Uh-huh. And then she hit me with the text that we had the back and forth. So oh, the, I mean, par- the paragraph text message about oh, yeah. how much of a piece of shit you are? No, it wasn't that. It was just kind of like I wanted to give you like a day to cool down, but what you did wasn't cool. Uh-huh. And then anyway, so about 10 texts later, we were broken up. So Yikes. still a little. Uh, yeah. you, well, you, you, we were only dating for like two months. You'll get back together. Two, yo, two months is long for me, man. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So, you because know, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. When I listened to the episode with you and Dini, when you mentioned a lady, I was taken aback. I was like, wait a minute. He has he has a special somebody. When the hell did this happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, you know, it is what it is. She was a little older than I was. She's uh, she's 41. 
that she's acting like that at 41? Well, there's a reason she's, she's single at yeah, 41. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not shooting at you, beloved. I'm just saying. No, listen, you don't, you don't know her, but uh, <laughs> as someone who is attracted to older women, yeah, a drink. lot of the women that I date, <laughs> they tend to be in their... I'm 31. Okay. A lot of women I date tend to be in their mid to late 30s, mm-hmm. couple in their 40s. All right. And it's true. Like, the difference between women my age and women that are older... There's a few things. I mean, women that are younger, they tend to be a little more self-conscious physically and otherwise. They're not quite sure of who they are in their careers, in their lives, in their personal lives. They're in flux, basically. Right. And that's why I tend to be attracted to older women because they're confident. They don't Mm -hmm. give a shit. They're like, they know what they want. They take it. But they do tend to not be as adept at navigating through personal relationships, particularly intimate ones. So. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Look at this guy. So what we're gaining from <laughs> the question that started this particular conversation, who you are, is you are a person who likes an older woman who has her things together because you're not here for the extra, extra stuff, essentially. Yeah. Well, and if we're going super armchair psychologist. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I, you know, I might. You know, I'm I'm a lazy motherfucker. Okay. I like to be taken care of. Right. I like, you know. <laughs> so, like, look, I'm not going to act like... Applaud your honesty. Look, I, I'm the thirsty degenerate, bro. Yeah, you are. I, I'm the type of motherfucker that, like, if I'm off on, on, like, if I'm off on a Tuesday, I'll wake up at 12... You know, go to the bar at one mm. and drink all day. All like, day. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not. I'm not the, the bar Millie rocking. Yo, I'm not the. I'm not a staple of stability. Let's okay. say. You know what I'm saying? So I got my own issues that I'm. Di- so let me not throw stones at the women that I right. spend my nights with. You know. But that surprises me because you, on the surface level, you seem like you're, you're pretty standard. Like you're good. You're okay. But it's like beneath the surface, it's like you know, I got some things I need to sort out. I got out. some. Yeah. I got some. I got some. Yeah, it's, and, it gets and, dark. And the older woman helps you stabilize yourself, essentially. Because it would be difficult for you to figure yourself out if you have to wonder about the young girl who, who has all these different insecurities and things of that nature. Yeah, okay. I think that's that's it in a nutshell. Oh, I'm sure. job, you. I got a whole new job now. I, I like that. <laughs> Let's make that a thing. Yeah, why not? You know, so with that being said, you were rhyming for a little bit. I mean, I think I feel yeah. like a few years back I sent you some beats or something like that. Yeah, I, well, I, you had you had a relationship with Chills, yeah, right? Shout yeah. the Chills. Yeah. So I remember years ago, like maybe ten years ago, me shout the shout to my old friend Nori, who I haven't seen in years. Nori, you we gotta get Nori on a podcast. We one have day. to, man. But I remember him and my, him and I, we would go to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So just to sit in these studio sessions that you would have with Chills. Yo, you know, you I remember did not that? remember that. You used to come to the Yeah, we went, we went one That's or two times. downtown Brooklyn by the Manhattan Bridge. Right on DeKalb Street wow. or off DeKalb Street, I remember. I completely forgot about and, that. Uh, and that was another, that was another thing where it was like, oh, so this is how you do it. Yeah. So, because, you know, I, from early on, I always loved hip-hop music. Yeah. You know that about That's me. in your core. You're a hip-hop head. And uh, I always, you know, I, I always kind of wanted to experiment with rhyming but never had the audacity but sitting in those sessions it was kind of like okay this is doable Mm -hmm. and i mean years later i eventually tried it myself put out a mixtape um but i think with that just didn't have the overall drive Um. you know i think that's a common theme with me is i'm kind of like magic johnson (laughs) it sounds good at the time (laughs) yeah but then i'm like yeah (laughs) fuck this yo (laughs) man that one hit you at your car jarv you know why? Because I was ready to choke you when I promoted that <laughs> podcast. We had the whole argument on the group chat. We did. But, but now it makes sense. 
It's yeah. like, you know what it is? And and you know, it's funny because I'm laughing also because I see that, I see myself, because I was that way as well. There's a lot of times where, like, mm. I had ideas, and it's like, you're gung-ho, but then it's like, when you got to think about all the extra stuff you got to do, it's like, oh, my God, this is a lot, you know? It's only at a certain point, and I'll get a little personal for the listeners, that... I sort of, I kind of reassessed my life. You know what I mean? I, I left the library, you know, I went, I went, I was working at the airport and I, and I did some inventory and I'm like, I got to start figuring some shit out, bro. Mm. Cause I felt like life was passing me by. And like, even like doing a thing with chills at some point, we never had a falling out, but it was just like, I mean, chills does the intro music to this podcast. Yeah, right? I love chills. Like at the end of the day, I've, and I've told him many times, I believe that he's gifted. There's guys who can make words rhyme mm-hmm. and there's guys who were gifted with the ability. Like he could pick up super engineer. True could tell you like he can just come and rap and make a record in, in about an hour. He can do that. That's mm-hmm. what he can do. But it's like, I looked at chills and I'm like, I, I expended this amount of time, this amount of dollars and it ain't hit. Yeah. You know, I, I went and I had meetings with Atlantic Records. Shout out to my boy Lion. Shout out to my boy, um, what is his name again? I think his name was Ahmad or something like that his name was. But when I went to IAR, we were all in the class together. It was me, Lion, and this guy's name. I can't, I'm mad I can't remember his name because he has such a common <laughs> name for his culture. And it's like... It's, where, where was he from? I don't I don't want to do that. Okay, okay all right. I'm going to call him A-Rap. Fuck it. We, we here. <laughs> He's a he's an A-Rap dude. He's like my mood or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was interning at Atlantic at the time. Oh. Okay. So I, I got up with, with Lion and I told him that I was working with Chills and everything just progressed. Next thing you know, we had Atlantic Records and we were sitting in front of DJ Sycamore. Oh. Who, and he had like just got the job. This was a big deal. He had just got the job as I think a head of urban music. At Atlantic, yes. Holy, this is when Atlantic was going through that turnover when everybody left Def Jam and went to Atlantic. So, okay, what what year is this roughly? Because I remember, um, I want to say this had to have been either late '06 or early '07. Oh, okay. Yeah, Atlantic kind of had a decent hip hop yeah. roster. They had yeah. like uh, Saigon and was Lupe Fiasco on Atlantic. Yes, yes. Yeah, they had some big time hip hop heavyweights. Was over there. Jim Shorty Jones Lowe. Just got over there. It was a lot of. Oh yeah, Jim Jones had there. an executive yeah. position in Atlantic. He was yeah, yeah. That was a Atlantic was a major player in hip hop music. That, that, that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So it was like I had opportunities, but I sat in front of this dude, played him a bunch of Chills records, and it was like he did his best Diddy impersonation for making it a band, and he said. Oh, come back when you get a buzz. Oh, goddamn. And I'm like, dog, we, we played you like four or five bangers, bro. Mm-hmm. He's rocking. I didn't want to deal. What Really what I wanted was to get in the building. So I'm saying to myself, you can take chills. I was willing to give chills up completely. And I was not even because we wanted to do like a label deal. But I'm like, we don't really have no buzz to get a, a distribution. So I was willing to give him chills and I was just managing. Mm-hmm. Just so he could get a deal and we could get our foot in the door. Right. And my man fronted on us. So it was like we had to leave because we didn't come back with a buzz. But then he gets fired from the, the title for not bringing in any talent. He literally got fired for not bringing talent at his position of head of urban music, bro. And he had talent right there. That I mean, that kind of goes to like how record labels what their role is yeah. in 2019 i mean this is a few years ago but i think it's applicable even more now like in the 90s and the 80s 
record labels were in the business of cultivating talent. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't need a buzz when you went to a record label. You needed talent, you needed promise, you needed right. potential. And now it's up to the artist to garner that buzz. And that's why, like, a lot of times when we talk about rap, I get so bitter about these these goofs who have deals now. <laughs> because, again, I had a talent, and I yeah. was at, in the building. I'm talking about, like, we were waiting at the elevator. And this is a true story. It was me, Jason, and Chills. We were waiting by the elevator. I'm calling him Jason. Lion, this damn J-Mo's working. <laughs> me, Lion, and Chills. We were at the elevator, bro, waiting to go upstairs. Jim Jones is just standing there looking oh, shit. at And he's looking at us, and we looking at him like, we're not going to say what up because you're Jim Jones. Just stay over there, bro. Because this was still at the peak of him beefing with Hope, so we was Brooklyn. Oh. So we <laughs> So we not talking to this guy. You know what I mean? Brooklyn. Yeah. Another time we went there, Shorty Lowe just was walking in the building when he was popping off. We wow. went to Atlantic a few times, bro, and it, it just never hit, man. But that being said, we were talking about working. Like, doing all of that and then not hitting told me that I needed to do something else. I did the inventory, and I decided that... I'm going to take this route of going back to school, doing what I should have been doing the whole time, which is what I'm doing here with the podcast, doing TV and radio, and going hard for myself. So it's like, that's why like I get at you sometimes. I'm like, yo, bro, you got it, B. Like, you, Thanks, you, you got it. You have the voice. You got the show. Just attack this whole thing. Yeah. But then to that earlier point about you putting things down, the rapping, mm-hmm. you were good at it. Well, thanks. What made you stop? Uh, I, I thought that I was good. Um... I didn't think that I was quite good enough to do it on a high level without really, really putting a lot of work in. Uh Um, And, you know, I was getting closer to 30 and it was just like... Isn't that number so daunting, It really is. It really is daunting. Um, I mean, now being 31, having just turned 31, Uh I'm actually... It's really exciting. Yeah. But when you're like 28, 29, it's It's like, damn... But now, like, being on the other side of it, it's awesome. It's like you wonder, what the hell was I worried about? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, man, I just, at the end of the day, I was, you know, I was I was collaborating with some people uh-huh. who, uh, you know, we were, we put out a mixtape and it was great. Um, but, you know, we had disagreements creatively, so yeah. I, you know, tried to do it myself and it wasn't as easy, so... You know, decided to take some time off and then ultimately went with podcasting, which... So, you yeah. know, to that point, you guys fell off. I remember, I think it was, what was it, 2016? Uh, yeah, that sounds about I think right. it was, you know, this is like the, the prelude to what we ended up doing with the Rat Roundtable. I, think we all, I don't know how it happened, but we all ended up popping out for your show you had yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah, in uh, Come On Everybody is the name yeah, of the spot, right? Yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah. It was a great show, I, great time. The only reason that I remember that it was 2016 is because I remember, I think it was during the Western Conference Finals, and it was game five. I think OKC was in the midst of choking up that 3-1 lead. To oh, State. yeah. And yeah, that was a dope show. You had a great Thanks, energy in, in the building that night. Everybody was there to see you. You know, you did a good job of bringing a crowd out yeah. to see you. So I'm, I was thinking, all right, maybe you moving in the right direction. Like, what happened for after the night of that show that, that led to, was it that whole thing was the, you didn't like the creative direction and you fell off? or? Well, so that mixtape that we did, it was like, you know, it was me just grabbing beats from the internet. Uh-huh. And there's, you know, you're you're limited in what you can do with that legally in terms of making money. Right. So the next step is you work with producers and you collaborate, you create music uh-huh. from scratch. And uh, I'd talked to Sincere, shout to Sincere. He yeah. gave me some beats and I had written some songs. And then sample clearance became an issue. An issue, yeah. 
So, you know, these guys that I was working with, I wanted to go to the next level. Like, this was a great starting point, like a little demo slash mixtape. Uh-huh. And now, you know, let's move on to the next level. But they were hesitant to clear the samples. Well, I mean, it costs I, money. It know? costs money, sure. But, I mean, my thing is no one knows who I am. It only right. costs money if they hear it. True. And if they hear it and they sue you, that's great for business. Well, that's, you know what I'm saying? You that means You should have called me, bro. I'd have told you off the rip. But it's only a problem if you're charging people for your music. If it's free. Right. It's, that's it's, another You thing. don't need clearance if you're not charging people. Yeah. So, um... Anyway, we we moved on from that situation, mm-hmm. and then I I was going to uh, do it myself. I hooked up with this dude Silent out uh-huh. in Brownsville. Shout to him. Oh, so you just be in Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn, man. Mm-hmm. What did you call this? The Kings County uh, Kings County check in. It's fitting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I make my way through all five. You know, shout the Queens, the yeah, Bronx, yeah. all that. But but yeah, so. Uh, I had like a session with Silent and it was kind of like, I mean, it was good, but I just, I, it was hard for me to stick with it. So, you know, uh, for some reason, you know, getting a little personal, but I don't know why, but that song that you made called Soliloquies, I don't know why it always stuck with me. And it was so like abstract. <laughs> it was like yeah. gonna be a little gap and you would say Soliloquies. So I'm like, what is this dude doing? I did. But it was tough though. I you know love I mean? that song. Yeah. I mean, if I go back to my mixtape, I think it's like 15 tracks. Yeah. There are like four or five that I think, yeah, that are, this is the start of something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I I had a lot of work to go as an artist. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't where I needed to be in order to be an artist in the truest sense of the word. Right. But I think I was off to a really good start and, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the work ethic and, um, you know, I didn't persevere enough and that's on me. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just decided to go in a different direction. You don't even need to beat yourself up about it. Like, like having that perseverance and doing things of that nature and building up that level, that's all part of growing. You know, like, that's I agree. you start and figuring yourself out what works, what doesn't work. You, you know, know what else is part of growing is giving up. Mm-hmm. Is saying, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do something else. Absolutely. And you know what, this podcast thing, you know, I just started. I've been doing it for a few months now. Mm-hmm. We put out episodes every two weeks. I'm in this for the long haul. Yeah. You know, like, I... I got a long way to go, just like I did with the rapping and everything else. But I'm 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 here for the long haul. Like I could see myself, however long it takes, yeah. just continuing to chip away. You you feel, you feel like you got something with it? Yeah, I mean I I enjoy it yeah. first of all. I can tell when you you know what it is like when you do it like like you know to compare when you were rapping like you love I feel like your love for rap outweighed you rapping. You get yeah. what I mean? But I hear the joy. Like, when you podcast, like, Thanks. you're in your pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah, with the rapping, I enjoyed performing. Yeah. I didn't enjoy writing songs. Ah, that the, was work. The work. <laughs> yeah. Facts. But I enjoyed listening to the songs after I recorded them. A right. song that I knew was really good, I enjoyed that part. I enjoyed interacting with people who, were, who liked the music. Uh, but actually sitting down and, you know, especially if you're going through writer's block, man, that is the worst. That is such a debilitating feeling when you you know you got it in you and you want to put it out, but it's just, it's just not, it's not coming out. Right. And the more you force it, the harder it is to come out, you know? I mean, that's happened to me probably one time, even with the gray area, like Super Engineer True could tell you there was one time, like, two guests flaked. I pulled up Damn. to the spot and I was like, well, you're true. I don't got nothing to talk about, bro. <laughs> it's gonna happen from time to time. And True looked at me. He was like, "Yo, if you don't got nothing to talk about, then then forget it. Just don't do an episode." I was like, "You know what? You're right. Yeah. I'm not gonna do an episode." <laughs> you know, so like, it's, it's that thing about knowing when to cut bait. So before we get into like a lighter topic, 
<laughs> the other creative topic was you being an actor. Yeah. Was that something you just did for school or was that something you wanted to seriously pursue? Uh, so I remember when I was super young, I might have been like seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, by chance, I went into an audition for a movie and without having any experience, I went really far in the process. Nice. It was like, uh, it was a movie, Gloria, with Sharon Stone. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was for like the the role of the young kid. So I made it to like, uh, like really far. Like I got like three or four callbacks. Nice. So, so they were seriously considering you. Yeah, they were. Um, so after that, I would do it in school. I did it in church. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my family is super religious. Uh-huh. And uh, they would like put on plays at the church that we went to. Right. It was our church was really into like music and and the arts. So uh, I I did that and I studied it in middle school and in high school I did a lot of community theater and I studied so, it in college. So you could I would if if the listener is tuning in right now they would say you know JMO was an actor like this is what this is your your essence. I mean I I wouldn't call myself an actor because there are people who do it for a living and who take right. it seriously i haven't acted in in years um and i, I don't have any plans well, you say to that, act in the future that's probably by choice no yes and no i mean if if someone offered me a role today i would take it okay uh i mean again look man i just wasn't good enough mm. you know uh i think it's important to acknowledge when you're not good enough for something this is true this is true uh and it's not you know it's it's not depressing I something I really enjoyed, something I learned a great deal from, like something like this, like the art of communication. Right. I wouldn't be doing this right now had it not been for all the experience that I had in my younger years and mm. getting on stage and you know acting. So you would say that the the experience of being a rapper, being an actor, created podcast J. I think so. I think that it's been a, a progression. It's me. I think I've got some raw skills. Okay. I think I have an interesting voice. I think I have. Uh, I'm a good communicator. I have interesting things to say, and this process, from the acting to the rapping, and now with the podcasting, it's been me trying to figure out what it is that I'm here to do. Yeah, definitely. I, as far as the interesting voice goes, like I've had a few people hit me up. Even like my sister is one of them who says like that guy with the light voice and the rap round table, like he he's something else. Like like got the job, sister. You know what I mean? Like she she says that like you're yeah like you're annoying. But then she agrees with you, and, I, and then I'm like, "But that's the point of his role on the show to annoy you." I, but, I but what to is, agree? I I had someone say that recently, and this kind of hurt my feelings. Oh God! That my voice was super like screeching, annoying. I always thought I had a very soothing voice. That my voice was like really, I don't know. Nah, you have a. That's one of the reasons why when, when the first time I heard you like talk on wax like when we did culture vulture one i yep. was like you should podcast because i'm like like because to me i'm always thinking creatively like what i want to because the first thing i listen to when i when i hear podcasts is do i want to listen to this guy or girl talk me too you know what i mean and when i heard you talking i'm like I, he he can do this you know what i mean so when she was saying that and i think i had another homegirl who said it it was like, yo, like, yeah, like, because the thing is, it's like, it's always good when the, the plan that you map out, what people are telling you what it is, I, without you telling them that was the plan in the first place. Yeah. Because it's like, now I'm not going to say I had you, I, I want you to be like the villain on the Rat Round Table, but I want you to be the heel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, like it has heel, worked out that way. The best heels in pro wrestling are the heels who have a righteous cause. They're actually right when you strip it all down. Right. They're 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 not villains. They're just you know they're anti-heroes. Right. There you like go. Like Venom. 
It's like it's a lot of times you make hot takes or you say a hot take that's really like groundbreaking, but when you after we react angrily, you end up being right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Are, have you uh, are you on my side on Young Thug yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time, bro. Did you hear that? Uh, J. Cole I, might uh, might executive produce his next album. <sighs> Yo, give it time, give it time. But I, but I did say that 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 this guy on the last gray area, um, what's his name again? Lil Pump has a little groove. I can understand why you might like Lil Pump, cause you know what it is, and and you're sincere, go to hell, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> not every person in the culture is good at rapping. Sometimes right. when you go back in time, some people just had a nice groove, a nice bop. Lil Pump is more hip hop than a lot of these other bozos. Cause Lil Pump has a little groove and a little bop about him. And he knows who he is, he knows what he is. And and it works for him. And I'm okay with that. Will I seek out the new Lil Pump? No. But if it comes on in my satellite radio, will I listen? Yes. Cause he has a nice little groove. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, some of our favorite artists of all time weren't great rappers. I mean, is Noriega a great rapper? No. He's not. No. But I love Noriega. Nor, you know, people like Nori because he fit the aesthetic of what you like. Right. He, he was more of that boom bappery than Lil Pump. You know what I mean? And he's also super charismatic. Yeah. But if you go back and you listen to like his 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 biggest record, you could say was Super Dog, maybe. Yeah, I would say so. That was not the best rapping, technically speaking. No. It was poor rapping. Yeah, but it was it was it was great music. Yeah. It was a great beat from the Neptunes and it was yeah. him it was him being Noriega. It was all about his personality. That's what it was. Yeah. It was a moment. Yeah. But the people who make it seem as though Noriega was out here being this this world beating rapper, that's hot garbage. That's, that's a yeah, lot. If you if your take is that Noriega is like a brilliant lyricist, then no. me and you can't even talk about No, don't about even rap. talk to me, you yeah. know. You know, but let's shift gears. Let's do it. Pour you some Jamo. For for the sports fans of the world. Yeah. You, you know. I'm going to throw this your way because I'm bitter. All Are right? you going to talk about the Lakers? No, 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 no. no. I'm not. <laughs> Too soon. I don't. I, at this point, I think I said it on another podcast, there's like a large Laker logo chasing me, and I'm running away from it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really like. It'll get better. Yeah, of course, because when you really break it all down, it's a lot worse situations you could be in. My personal animus towards LeBron James that doesn't come with me. Yo, being, can I just say you have some pretty talk about hot takes? Yeah, your social media, <laughs> you in your in your brain. Forget your heart for a second. You cannot truly want them to trade LeBron James. I do. For what? Like, yeah, if they could get like Giannis, then a sure, trade LeBron James. Chips. Oh, come on, man. You don't know. That's that's your, you're thinking with your heart right now. You know because you brought him up and we're here. It's my guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about LeBron is, if if you would have told me we had LeBron with the Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randall Lakers, mm-hmm. I would have did backflips because it made more sense. When I look at the team, you see how Magic Johnson hauled ass up out of LA. Yeah, that was hilarious. When you look at what they have in Lonzo, Bi, and Kuz, LeBron just didn't make sense. Because, again, as much as they want to say LeBron is the ultimate team player, he's not. He plays one way. Not to say that he's a selfish prick, but his style doesn't always suit but everybody. the other pieces need to adapt to him right. as opposed to the other way but around. I agree. It's easier to adapt when you have a certain skill set. If you just had Brandon Ingram and LeBron, as we started to see before B.I. went down with the injury, it could work. But Lonzo Ball, as much as they say Lonzo's not ball dominant, right? Mm-hmm. Lonzo is an energy player. 
So sometimes he needs to touch the ball in order to activate. If you tell Alonzo, I, you, I want you to be a three and D guy who stands in the corner, that's not that's gonna that's gonna kill his whole mojo because he wants to catch the rebound and get it on the break, but then right. but then you want to defer to LeBron because it's LeBron. I I mean I, I I agree with you. I think the pieces didn't fit right. great, but I also think well, that. You know, like it, it. Call me a LeBron apologist, please, but it should please, be duly ahead. noted that he. I mean, he was hurt. You yeah. know, and Lakers yeah. had a terrible season. LeBron had a terrible season, but it would not have been as bad had he not missed however many games it was. I'm on the other side of that. Here's what I'm gonna say: the injury hurt, but I think, and you know, you people in the internet, y'all can roll your eyes. The Lonzo Ball injury hurt more than the LeBron injury. I'm gonna tell you why because I, I'm 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 on the day to day with the Lakers. Okay, I'll give you that. The Lakers are starting to turn the corner because I think people forget that when LeBron got hurt, that Brandon Ingram got hurt as well around the yeah, same time. Yeah, he's got, but he's got some real serious right, issues. Exactly, might be when, hard to trade him. When we got healthy-ish, Bi came back. We had Bi Kuzenzo. Yeah. We had just went to OKC with P, a healthy PG, a healthy Westbrook, and one. We were smashing. Uh, who were we playing? Houston. We were crushing Houston on a Saturday night. Zoe turns his ankle, ends up being out for the season. The season went down the tank after that. Yeah. You know, on top of the fact that, and since we're here, and I didn't want to talk about damn you, <laughs> damn you, you know. To me, Magic Johnson, and I say this because I didn't care that Magic left. I was texting the homie Baylor Sunday before he quit, and I was like, yo, if Magic doesn't act right, I'm going to have his bags packed next. So it was kind of like prophetic that he ended up packing his own bags. You know and what I mean? The way he did it was awesome. That'd be Tacky. like, yo, that'd be like if I, if I like announced on Twitter that I was leaving the rap roundtable. Yeah, and nobody about, knew. I wanted to thank I want to thank Jarvis <laughs> and Sincere and Dini for holding me down all those years, but it's not fun anymore. I want to like talk shit about him on Twitter or whatever. Like <laughs> it's it's just it, it's just insane, man. Right. And I don't think he's getting enough flack for this, bro. You know what? Because the Lakers has so much bad news that you, you can't even spend enough time on Magic to go back to the clusterfunk yeah. that the season was. It's true. You know what I mean? And also, people love Magic. Right. He's a real likable guy. Magic is Teflon, you know? But everything Magic did after... I'm pouring some Jamal right now. After, after Magic did... After he signed LeBron, everything else he did was terrible. The Rondo signing, terrible. I agree. The, 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 the land signing, terrible. Javel, I give him a pass on. Beasley, terrible. Beasley, trading really trading speed for Bullock, terrible. Yeah. Trading, trading, trading Zubak for Muscala, terrible. Like he needed to leave because he because and, and then the way he handled the the AD situation. He the, the funny thing. Well, the, that I think is on LeBron's people. No, 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 no. The fact that you had a person, you should you should be privy to the fact that this person was negotiating in bad faith. I, I don't know how we can expect Magic to know that, he though. He got finessed. He did He did get he finessed. He got finessed, and the dude who finessed him got fired. Magic had to go in the big picture. Yeah, but, I mean, we both agree that Magic went out because he wanted to leave, right? Yeah. We don't was, think they he was asked to leave. No, no, no he, it wasn't a matter of being asked to leave, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. You know it what wasn't it is? working. Magic is a good enough businessman to know that. He, he did, again, you know, we talked about inventory with myself earlier. Magic did the inventory, and he looked around and said, you know what, this ain't it. I failed in some regards. I looked bad in some regards. It's best that I cut bait. On top of the fact that you had Rob Palenka because he wasn't there. And people are not talking about this aspect enough. We work, you know, we work our regular nine to fives. Right. 
people don't they, when they when they talk about the NBA, they don't they don't think about the human aspect of people who work nine to fives. Right. Let's say now it's me, you, and True in this room right now. Mm-hmm. True is Magic Johnson. Okay. True doesn't pull up at all. I'm Rob Palenka. You're, you're, you're Genie Bus. Not to say that you're a woman, but all you right, get what I'll I'm take saying. It. But if I come to work as Rob Palenka and I keep asking you, where's Magic? Because True, aka Magic, is not here. I'm throwing salt in the game. Mm-hmm. You know? That I'm passive aggressively attacking Magic Johnson by planting that, you know, idea in your head via inception that. He's, he sucks at this job because how can he do this job if he's not here? We're not talking enough about the fact that Rob Lincoln kind of pushed Magic out the door by, by keeps insinuating, by asking, where's Magic, that Magic well, isn't doing his job because he's not here. Why would Polika do that, though? Because Magic wasn't doing his job? He wasn't there. He yeah. was, he, was a lot of times where he wasn't in the office. So the thing, the, the report was he would come to work and ask, where's Magic, repeatedly. So he knew what he was doing. Now well, think, he got what he wanted. Right. So think about it. You, you push Magic out the way, or Magic you know, falls on the sword, however you want to look at it, and there's no president of basketball ops. There's just a GM. Rob Palenka kept his job. Do you, do we think his job is safe moving forward? Because Palenka's like the numbers guy on the Lakers, Well, check right? this out. No, he's the GM, bro. If, they, if they're starting the, the, the coach hunt with Rob, that means he's safe. I agree. You know, so that that tell that's what I'm saying. Like people, are, we're looking at this from the wrong angle. You right. know, like Rob pushed Magic out the door indirectly. Magic spoke about it as far as people stabbing him in the back. Who was he talking about? Who's the sub throwing that? Rob. You know. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't talking about Genie. No, he was talking about Rob Polinka. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he essentially he broke up with, G, with Genie via Facebook Live, but he, he broke up with Genie because Rob threw salt in the game. Well, I just broke up with my girl via text, so I yeah. can relate to it. Yeah, I didn't break up, bro. That, this is a break. You, you guys yeah, are gonna that, circle back. It's gonna happen. I don't think so, man. Well, yeah. I'll, we'll we'll update you, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, on the Thirsty Degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk Fact. about it. She but, listens to the Thirsty Degenerate, so I don't. Well, know. what I was actually bitter about was this whole. Uh, Canelo Alvarez and, tri- and Triple G. Okay. Sequel. I'm on the record as saying Triple G won 16 out of those 24 rounds and has no wins to show in two fights. And I'm bitter because although I know better and that the business of boxing is going to lean towards Canelo because he's younger and can generate the money, I feel as though... Triple G carried his division for a long time. He carried HBO boxing for a little bit, and I feel as though he got shitted on. You know, so I'm asking you as a person who follows boxing closely, for a person who felt as though Triple G got robbed twice, like, like should I feel that way? Do you think he got robbed? Et cetera. Like, talk to me. So I agree with everything you say except the notion that Triple G got robbed. Okay. And you and I have talked about this. Boxing, what makes, one of the things that makes boxing so unique is that you and I can watch the same fight mm-hmm. and believe things. that different guys won and both be right. So while I do believe that Triple G won both fights, I don't think that either was a robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly in the second fight, you know, the first fight, Canelo was moving around a lot more than I, I'd ever seen him. Right. He was very wary of Triple G's power. That second fight, you know, you could tell that, that he was pissed off. Canelo was at, at a lot of the talk that was going on. So he stood right in front of Triple G. And Triple G's MO was he's a knockout puncher. Yeah. And he stood in front of him like a man. And he, he said, did. all right, let's not leave it up to the judges. We're just two guys in a fight. 
We're just two dudes throwing hands. I'm giving you an opportunity to give me your best shot and not leave it up to these other people, not leave it up to the boxing establishment or the the boxing industrial complex. I know I'm the pretty boy. And I, I think Canelo gets a little too much flack. And, and some of it is deserved. But the notion that he's not, you know, a, a fighter in the purest sense of the word, I don't think is no, fair. No, that's nonsense. You know what? You're, you're right. He did stand in front of him. And Triple G couldn't knock him out. The, the counter-argument that I'll make in favor of Canelo is the fact that I believe that he got in Triple G's head. Because he stood in front of Triple G. And Triple G was like, what are you doing? But he stood in front of him in a second fight. But Triple G was busy trying to outbox him and yes. like knocking his head off. Right, right. And I think it that, was a brilliant mind game. Yeah, and I think that in both fights, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it there. I was looking forward to talking to you about this because I think when we spoke about it on the 13th Degenerate, we, had, we hadn't gotten a second fight yet. Right, so, right, 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 right. The thing that I want to give Canelo credit for is in both fights, he won the mind game. Because in the first fight, he had Triple G so afraid of the counterpunch that Triple G never truly let his hands go. I agree. Uh, Triple G took a while to get going in that right, fight. He looked he was, nervous. He was afraid to get hit. Uh, he's been in some big fights, but that was the biggest fight he'd ever been in, and, and it took him a while. And then by the time he figured out that, that Canelo couldn't knock him out, it was too late. Right. And then in the second right. fight, he was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna get my jab working. I'm going to outpoint him. There's no way they can rob me twice, right? So he outboxes him, mm -hmm. and he and he lost this time. Yeah. And when he when 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 you got everything you wanted, you got uh, you got Canelo willingly to stand in that pocket with you, and you just do a jab. Yeah, he jabbed him to death. Yes. Would not let that right hand go. So I I want to give Canelo credit, but it's like again in my heart of hearts they fought twenty four rounds. Triple G won 16 and zero wins. I keep, That doesn't sit well I mean, me, I man. agree that he won 16 rounds, but, I mean, there are people who know way more about boxing than I do who might say that he won only 12. Fair. You know? So, again, it's it's entirely subjective. And, I, you know, Triple G lost those two fights. Mm -hmm. He lost. That Those are facts. Well, he wasn't was, robbed. There was a draw and then a loss. Oh, right, right, right. Although that second fight I thought was super close. Yeah. Like, that fight I could see. If you would have told me two draw. draws, I'd have been disgusted. I know, But I know because of the business, they needed to be a Why decision. Why do people hate ties so much? I don't mind. Like, there's all this thing in, like, Let the NFL. Let me charge you $100 and say it's a tie. If it's a good fight. Yo, there, a couple years ago, there was a good fight between uh, uh, Orlando Salido and, and Francisco Vargas. Ended in a draw. Everyone went home happy because it was no, a great fight. Nobody paid $100 to see that. Probably, no. No, definitely not. When is no one's big, paid $100 to when see, is like, 126-pound Mexican. Yes. Yeah. When it's a big money fight, we need a winner. We need a controversial yeah. decision or a winner. Preferably, you know I mean? we need, like, a late-round knockout. Yeah. Yeah. So, my next question would be, are you, are you willing to take... Another swing, like a part three. Are you here for that? I think so. I mean, you saw that that uh, deal that Canelo signed, right? Oh, that the zone, yeah. So it kind of reminds me of Floyd's deal with Showtime all those years ago, right? Where you knew that okay, one of these has to be Pacquiao, otherwise this deal doesn't make sense, right? Uh, so he's fighting Danny Jacobs in what is stylistically fight. a really interesting fight. It's a dangerous fight for him. I think it's a terrible matchup for him. Now, I don't think that. I mean, if Triple G couldn't knock out Canelo, I don't think Jacobs can. So it's going to go to the Jacobs scorecards. Jacobs is a better boxer than Canelo. Yes. Yes, he is. Not Canelo, Triple G. I'm the sorry. Triple G. I think he's a better boxer than Canelo, too. Okay. And Canelo struggles. He, he struggles against guys who fight in a similar style to Jacobs. Do you remember the person? Because his name escapes me. There was a person he fought. It was like the week after Floyd versus Manny. 
was it? And, and, and Canelo fought on HBO and he, in, in the Minute Maid Stadium in Houston. He, he did. Oh, uh, the dude from Texas. Yes. Uh, what's his, Ann Wolf used to train him. What's his name? Right. You know exactly what I know I'm what you're talking about. about. Fuck, what's the guy's name? I'm concerned that that's what this fight is going to end up looking like. Oh, uh, James Kirkland. James Kirkland. Uh, I'm concerned that he's going to take his, uh, Jacob's head off the way he took off Kirkland's head. Nah, it, it, Kirkland is like is a, a much different fighter than than Jacobs. Jacobs uh, uses a lot of lateral movement. Mm-hmm. He's big. He's tall. He's got some power, but he uh, works behind his jab a lot. Kirkland is just reckless. Kirkland is a pure bar brawler. Okay. Um, so I think this is I think this Jacobs fight is a much much worse matchup so for Canelo. Are you are you expecting twelve rounds with that? I am expecting twelve rounds. I think it'll be a close fight. Uh, and I think Canelo wins a close and perhaps controversial decision. Well, I'm, I'll take it a step further. I don't expect Canelo, while he's still in his physical prime and a money-making draw, to lose any decisions. If you're beating Canelo Alvarez, I believe you have to knock him out. Period. You got to beat him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the next fight I wanted to talk to you about, because I felt like we, you and I, we never spoke about this. The Gypsy versus Wilder. The Gypsy King. All right. What What is your take on that fight? He won. The Gypsy. Yes, I agree. He he won handedly. He, to me, I, I, you know what it is? I know that they, they weigh knockouts heavily as, as judges. But if you're scoring this round by round, even with those knockouts... There's no way you could tell me that that fight was a split decision draw. I mean, it made him. It made the the score closer. Yeah, but no. But way. I mean, you know, Tyson Fury dominated that fight yeah. in the same way he dominated Vladimir Klitschko. Now Klitschko never let his hands go. Wilder, to his credit, at least kept throwing punches, and he's got so much power that a couple of them. I mean, man, that second knockdown. I thought the fight was over. I thought he was dead. <laughs> I thought he died. You know what I mean? Um. And, you know, Wilder has so much power that all he has to do is let his hands go, and a couple of them are going to land flush. You know what? I said this ahead of the fight. You know, from now on, I'm going to just hit you up when there's a big fight. Please do. I love talking boxing. I said ahead of the fight that this was a terrible fight for Wilder because, I'm going to be frank, I enjoy his action fights. But I think back to the Ortiz fight. Yo. He, he beat he beat. Ortiz. I got some takes on that fight. He beat Ortiz, but it wasn't for a lack of Ortiz schooling him prior to him because the thing is, I feel like he spent like eight or nine rounds trying to find the distance, he being Wilder, to mm-hmm. fight from to where he could get in and get out without getting hurt. But if he doesn't knock him out, Ortiz was cooking him. And I forget what round it was in that fight, but the referee, now I'm not saying the referee should have, mm-hmm. but the referee could have easily stopped that, that fight. That might have been, a, it was the seventh round when it got shaky for Sounds Wilder. Sounds about right. Yeah. And Ortiz is a Cuban. He comes from the Cuban school, but he's a very heavy-handed puncher. Yo, I swear to God, I saw a little shoulder roll action in that fight. I love Luis Ortiz. He's you know, one of my favorite fighters. And in that Ortiz fight, like I, 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 I could say that I fell in love with Wilder because he persevered yes. and he got out alive. Agreed. But... When he told me, when, when he, I'm going to say, told me he was fighting the Gypsy next, I'm like, oh, that's a bad idea. Well, I, I agree with that, except I wasn't quite sure where Fury was uh, physically or mentally. Fam. You know, he was coming off of some really big issues, so because I wasn't sure. I was sure only because I have little to no respect for the pure boxing skill of Wilder. Oh, where, he's got no boxing skills at all. Fury... Fury is a boxer's boxer. And, like, a guy that size moving like a gazelle, we've never seen anything like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's such a unique fighter. I was in a group chat, and when I found the fighter, I told everybody in the group chat, this is a bad fight. And I'm sure you got laughed at. No. 
Oh no! Well, People yes and no because I, 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 my homeboy David, he's a boxing. He used to box himself. Oh, so shout out to David. And he was raised by, by he's raised by people who, who grew up on, on boxing. So he was the only one who was like, "Yo, yeah, you're right, bro. This is a bad fight for him." And I'm like, "Yo, y'all tripping if y'all think that Wilder's just gonna beat him up?" <laughs> and then Fury took him to school. Took, bro. He schooled him. You know what I mean? And it's like again, it was like because Wilder's not a, a pure boxer, you spending nine, ten rounds trying to find the distance that you you measuring them for nine rounds. Why are you getting outpointed? What the? F- Listen, like, what are you doing? Here's, here's what Wilder does. This is how he fights. He doesn't really box. He just wildly yeah. throws his hands, and he's he's got such immense power. Facts. He like that's how he beats people. Yeah. is by connecting. He's got no real technique. He's got a really good jab, a really good jab, and a really good right hand. But other than that, he never attacks the body. His left hook is, like, too wide to even, like, bother throwing. So it's all, like, one-two, but it's not even technically sound. It's right. just, you know, it's him trying to take your head off. And it works. He's undefeated. Yeah, but, you know. With a couple it, in the last, the it, last couple were The last two fights let us know that you could easily There's have a recipe. Two, two notches in well, the L column. The, you need two things. You need to be a superior boxer. Like, right. the two best pure boxers in the heavyweight division are... Luis Ortiz and Tyson Fury. And that's where I'll give Wilder the credit because Joshua was out in England. He's Joshua's not fighting a, these guys. That's true. That's true. I mean, and the reason Joshua's not fighting these guys, and he should fight these guys, but the reason that he's not is because he's making really good money in England fighting guys that are much less dangerous. True. Making money. Right. I mean, these guys are in the business of making money. They take everyone does this. Everyone. They take the easiest fights for the most money. So if you want, if you want them to take a hard fight, then you need to promise them immense immense amounts of money so when you think about the next mega heavyweight fight it's coming the reason it why is coming the reason why wilder wasn't handed that loss that everyone knows he took against fury was because they're protecting him for the anthony joshua fight where do you stand with that fight do you do who, who do you who's your money on going into that uh so my money, I'd have to look at the odds. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning slightly to Joshua. Now forget the odds. You as a person who knows boxing, uh-huh. what does your gut tell you? My Should gut is telling me Joshua, just okay. because Joshua is also really heavy-handed. Right. But is also he has a lot of skill. I mean, he doesn't move like like uh, Fury does mm-hmm. or like Luis Ortiz does. Uh, but he's fairly technically sound for a guy that size, right. and I think that he'll be able to set Wilder up. And, uh, you know, I think that he'll be able to win rounds against Wilder in the way that, that uh, Luis Ortiz and, and Tyson Fury did. And I think he'd, he could also hurt Wilder like okay. Ortiz did. Okay. I want the other side of that. And, and it's kind of for similar reasons that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Joshua is not the boxer that Ortiz or Fury is. Mm-hmm. And I believe that his propensity for standing in front of his opponent is going to lead him to danger against Wilder. Right. And I believe that maybe you run the seventh or eighth, he's going to get dropped, and he's going to lose. That's a, with, that's always a thing with Wilder, is yeah. that he's always, no matter what the score is, no matter what round it is, he's always in the fight and I think because he could end it with one punch. The reason why that fight hasn't happened wholeheartedly from both sides is because both sides know that the loss is, is probable. Yeah, you know for both I mean? guys, for I both agree. Guys. It's not like one guy knows. Like to me, Floyd know he could be Pacquiao. I'm one I of those agree. people who I don't even care about what happened with Marquez. I, I always knew that Floyd would be Pacquiao because Pacquiao is not good against counterpunches. Well, I mean, I agree. Although, like young, young, young Pacquiao, like pre De La Hoya Pacquiao. 
probably would have lost. But again, this is boxing, man. All it takes is one punch. He wasn't going to touch Floyd. Probably not. You know I, mean, I mean, I tend to agree with you. So it's like that fight has to happen. And I believe that because Joshua, what I saw, I saw him struggle with Klitschko. So you're telling me a guy who's about 12 years younger well, than Klitschko? Well, he also knocked out Klitschko cold. Yeah, but that but was... But he did, he did struggle for stretches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Klitschko dropped him. Yeah, that, that was a great... That was a that's great one of the fight. best of the fights year. I've ever seen. You know? So when I look at that fight, I'm like, if this guy's going to stand in front of Wilder, he's playing right. He's playing a game that's of a chicken. That's a dangerous game yes, to play. I, he's going to drop. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to move around more than he normally does. Yeah. He's he's not fighting guys that are preparing him for Wilder, which I don't which see is that concerning. fight going the distance. That's I don't what, either. That's where I look at that fight. But but I need us as boxing fans to make sure that we get that fight. The last boxing topic that I have for you before we go over. Yeah, because I could go for hours on yeah, this Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. You know, this is the Kings County check-in. This is the thing. I wanted to talk to you about things that you care about. Yeah. You know what I mean? The welterweight division is building up two guys for that next massive welterweight fight. Oh, yes. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. Mm-hmm. Now, biasly speaking... I saw Terrence Crawford in person fight. Oh, uh, couple, what like, fight was it? Two years ago, I, cu- I couldn't tell you who he fought. It at, was the, a, at the Garden? Uh, at the Garden. It was a random-ass fight, but he got busy. My my, my, my uncle, who used to work with us, he um he has a job behind again. Talking about Joel? Yeah. Oh, shout to the homie. He has a job behind again, and he got a oh. couple of comp tickets. So I was damn near ringside, bro. Nice. You know what I mean? My man. And I got to see him up front, and I'm like, whoa, this guy he's, is next He's level. amazing. You know, but then you watch Errol Spence. I always tell people the Kell Brook fight is when I was sold on him because he had a C game in that fight. And he still found a way to take care of a, a skilled person who was above him as far as on the road, so on the in road. the UK, in yes. front of like 80,000 people. And basically, like, knocked his eye socket. Right. Out. So, my question to you will be, and I'm going to completely get out the way that fight is coming. Who do you have and why? Well, first of all, I'm not entirely sold that that fight is coming because there's so many promotional issues. Now I hope true, it comes. True. Um, I feel with HBO out of out of the way that it makes that fight easier to happen. Now. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think. I mean, I go back and forth with this. Uh, what makes Crawford so brilliant is the fight that is the fact that he can fight in so many different ways. He can yeah. go uh, orthodox, southpaw. He can brawl. He can box. He does everything. He fights inside, outside, body punching. You know, he's got a full offensive arsenal. You know, he can retreat defensively. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spence is different. Spence is your prototypical come-forward fighter who's also very technically sound. Yeah. Although against Mikey Garcia, and I know Mikey Garcia was moving up two weight divisions, showed that he's very adept at fighting on the outside. So if he needs to keep... Um, if he needs to keep uh, uh, Crawford at the end of his jab because he's got the size advantage, you know, maybe he can do that too. I don't know. I mean, to me, that's the... I can't even pick a side. If All right, if I've got a gun in my head and they fight at 147 pounds, I have... I'm going to take Crawford by... Split decision? By, like, razor-thin decision. Okay. You know what? Here's where I'm concerned about that fight. I can't remember. I can't remember the last time that we had two guys who had similar styles. You know, usually when we talk about welterweights in the past five to seven years, one guy Floyd had his style, right, and the other guy had a different type of style, right, and they had to meet Floyd, and Floyd would come through with his counterpunching style, 
And I, I forgot who it was. Who, who was the person, the last person that Floyd fought? Oh, uh, the Haitian dude. What's yeah. his name? He wasn't any good. Uh, 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 Birdo. Andre Birdo. Andre Birdo, yeah. Andre Birdo said something about Floyd, but he was like, like he, he, he could see Floyd seeing his punches. Oh, yeah. And the way he would dodge the Floyd, punches. Floyd is a mind reader. Floyd is a mind reader. Yeah. And I think where Floyd gets no credit is the fact that his punch anticipation is yes. probably the greatest ever. As far as being able to see the punch and react to it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Floyd, I mean, look, I I don't love Floyd Mayweather know, as I, a fighter or as a person. He is truly one of the most brilliant fighters who ever lived. There's no question. Floyd so let gifted. me just get that out he, there. He doesn't fight an action style, but what he was good at, he was gifted. I mean, early in his career, though, he was knocking guys yes. out. Like, when he was fighting at 130 and yeah. 135, he put on some really entertaining fights. Now, as he fought bigger guys and his hands got more and more brittle, he right. had to be more conservative. And, you know, towards the end, he was just basically running out the clock. Floyd fought at the end of his career like Virginia played basketball. The last time Floyd really tried to, like, really take somebody's head off was the Ricky Hatton fight. Yes. And, and that was a that was a sensational knockout. Yeah, with the the check left hook, man. Right that into, was right that was great. Corner. But um, when I look at Errol, Errol Spence and Terence Crawford, I'm afraid that the fight is going to be so boring because of the fact that both of these guys are so good. I agree that they're not going to be able to touch each other. I agree. I mean, like we saw with the Mikey Garcia fight, mm-hmm. like you know, Garcia showed a lot of toughness, mm-hmm. and for that, it made it sort of sort of entertaining, even if it wasn't close. I think with the Terrence Crawford fight, if it's ever made, I think it's going to be more of that. Like, it's mm. going to be sort of underwhelming and that it's going to be a chess match. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you. And it's it's going to be a chess match that's going to be hard to score. Yeah. Which is going to make it even more frustrating. It's but that's frustrating what happens fight. when you get two guys in their prime, two master technicians yeah. fighting each other. And both of them are not knockout artists, per se. So No, I mean, not really. I mean, they do it both. Neither guy has like one punch. Knock right. That's power. what I mean. Both guys do it with precision and they like wear you down. So it's like, I feel like we're going to boxing fans. I anticipate a clench fest. It's going to be one, two, grab one, two, grab one, two, three. Grab. See, but the thing is, thing with Crawford, though, is that if you clinch him, he'll switch it up on you. Right. He's like, this guy is clinching me. So like, if you remember the Uriokas Gamboa fight, Gamboa, who was way smaller than him, was schooling him for the first few rounds. Mm-hmm. And eventually he had to switch things up. Yeah. That's that's why I always leave with Crawford. Because yeah. if something isn't working, he'll, he'll do up. something else. Or he'll switch to Southpaw. He'll switch to, I mean, yeah. he's He's got so many different, there's nothing that guy can't do in a boxing mm-hmm. ring. I think it's going to be a draw. I, I'm willing to predict Probably. a draw right now. God, right. I hope they make that fight. It's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be 2019. I think 2020. It's going to be after both guys are old. Because I think this By year, then, like, the gray yeah. area will be, like, the number one podcast <laughs> on, on Apple Podcasts. I think, like, we're going to get the, the massive heavyweight fight this year, maybe, like, November or September, somewhere I think, in that area. I think they'll make Wilder and Joshua before they yeah. make that welterweight fight. Absolutely. All right. So the baseball. Yeah. It's a sport that I've never really covered on the green. But you're a baseball fan, dude. I do. But I know you are. But it's difficult to find someone to, to toss it to. I, I had planned it out before. But it just didn't work out the way I wanted to with the guests that I had in mind. But we're here now. Yeah. You're, you're a you know flourishing Yankee fan. I'm a downtrodden Met fan. I've been well. I mean, Met so fan. far this year, yeah, tables are turned. Tables a bit. are turned. But you know, you know. I know. I know. Um, before we get into the on-field stuff, I get in a lot of trouble when I'm on the internet and I say that 
The money in baseball is predominantly because it's the whitest sport of the major sports. And the fact that it's, it's so many like structured white guys there with the union and the money and the way the contracts are set up. People mm-hmm. get mad at me. Like, Why you got to bring race into it? I've, I've gotten yelled at on Facebook <laughs> for saying that. And I'm like, what am I saying that's so wrong? If you look at basketball and football, the blacker sports, right. there's a salary cap. There's no players. There's no guy dictating the market. You know, there's 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 a, there's a level, there's a ceiling on what can be made. Right. Whereas baseball, the wider sport, these guys can eat whatever. Like like if I'm a free agent this year and I make 270, where Jay Mono Shane was a free agent next year and he's a top guy, negotiations start at 270. So am I wrong for, for for saying that the whiteness of baseball has a has a role in the money that's being shelled out over there? So first of all, I guess we're not qualifying hockey as a major sport. No, we're not. Okay. And they showed um, after that last lockout, they kind of took a step down. I think baseball, I think what you say about baseball is true for the guys at the very top. Okay. Uh, I mean, and we've seen it with uh, Bryce Harper and, right. and Austin, uh, uh, Mike, Trout. Mike Trout. Austin Trout. Austin Trout is a boxer. Yes. Um, Still in boxing mode. Uh, Mike, Mike Trout, who's... Might be the best baseball player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Definitely since Griffey. But um, but yeah, so the guys at the very top of baseball make way more than than the guys in any other sport. Although basketball, they don't the 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 length of the deals isn't as long, but like they're on a per year basis. I mean, look at what John Wall is making, you know. Uh I would push back on the notion though that baseball is wider than basketball and football. I mean, definitely in terms of the labor. But in terms of the power structure, I mean, it's all white people, isn't right, it? Right, right. True. Um, I mean, at the highest level, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, if, if we talk about the middle class in baseball, uh-huh. those guys are getting screwed over pretty hard. I mean, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell don't even, even have jobs job. right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And those are Facts. those are really good players. Uh, you know, so, I mean, eventually they'll get jobs. Let's see what kind of money they're making. Uh-huh. You know, I think football is definitely at the bottom of the totem pole in oh, that. Yeah. Based on what they risk and uh, you know the what they're compensated in yeah. return. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, professional sports at the end of the day is, you know, the the power structure of it is bullshit. Like, <laughs> you know, like Fact. owners who put nothing on the line. True. You know, they get these communities to pay for their billion dollar stadiums, and mm-hmm. they get these these uh, you know people, predominantly poor people of color, to risk their lives to yeah. generate millions of dollars. And yeah, we see that more in football than anything else, which is the most popular sport in the country. Um, I think baseball is a little different of a power dynamic, and I think race does play play into it. Uh, but you know, I mean, we see like these these uh, Latin American kids getting screwed over. Like, look at like uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for example. Yeah, the guy's tearing up AAA. Has to wait till a certain day to come. They up. don't want to call him up because they want to wait a year before he's eligible to free a- to right. be a free agent. You know, so there's there's games in baseball too, but on a larger scale, you're mostly right. And I want you know what I like that you brought that up because the Braves last week they they signed two guys who kind of covered their. Arbitration and some of their free agents. Oh my God! Did you see that Albies, deal Albie's got? Albie's and I forgot the other kid's name. Acuna. It, yeah, but it's like that. Nah, that Albie's deal was offensive. He's the one who got seven years, thirty-five, right? Seven years, thirty-five, with two team options That's, after that. They got control of him for nine of damn. this. 
he won't be a free agent until he's 30 years old. He's not making any real money, and, and he's I, good. And I laughed because I was Oh, like, my God. That's such I, a bad contract. When I saw those two deals get signed, I think the other guy got like like six years, 90. His wasn't much better, but right. that Albies deal was offensive. And I laughed because I said, look at the Braves taking advantage of these guys. Oh, no, we take, we're buying your arbitration bullshit. You're robbing these guys. And they, I remember they interviewed Albies, and Albies was like, you know, I'm not worried about anything but taking care of my family. This is what they do. They take these these kids from, you know, places like the Dominican Republic, where, mm-hmm. and they romanticize their poverty. You know, they do yeah. sports center specials about how when he was nine years old, he made a, a baseball glove out of a milk carton. That's not... <laughs> and then, and then, you know, they have control of these guys. Yeah. For their entire minor league career, where they're making, you know, if we factor in the hours that they put in, below minimum wage. And then they get called up to the major leagues, and they can't, they can't even negotiate with other teams for six years. Yeah. And if they're not called up for the first two weeks of the regular season of their rookie year, then they get an extra year that they're under team control. And this Albies deal, I cannot express to you enough how angry it makes me. Yeah, Because, I mean, this, this kid is so good. You know, I love watching them play ball, and they're they're like screwing them over. Yo, uh, again, listeners, when I got the ESPN alerts for both of those deals, I laughed because I because at first I saw the first Brave deal. I was like, all right, not good. All right, well they're screwing over Acuna. Good business, but he still got decent chicken or overall. He got yeah, but then it's when I saw money. the Albies deal, seven years, thirty five, I laughed out loud. I said, "Oh, the Braves are just out here bullshitting. They they just robbing people." I hope that he fires his agent. But it's like, and it's what do you do now? Let's say now he becomes the best at his position, halfway through that contract. What is he gonna do? Not There's play? There's nothing he can do. You know. There's nothing he can that's, do. If he doesn't play, he doesn't get paid. That's insane. $5 million per when Mike Trotter's out here. He's getting, making as much money as Terrence Coleman. That's nuts. I'm Terrence Coleman. Tevin Coleman. A Terrence, Mike Trout Terrence is a boxer. 439 Well, Mike Trout, listen, is what worth I'm, every penny. What I'm talking about is this pace. Right. That, and that's that's the thing that I was getting at with baseball. 35 I mean, baseball and really years. professional sports in general. We see this in football, too. Yeah. It's about haves and haves not. The middle class is shrinking. If you're a football player, you're either Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. Or, you know, you're a guy on a rookie contract. Like, you know, guys that are sort of middle of the road, solid starters. Those guys, based on the well, salary salary cap, really aren't worth keeping. Baseball, a nine, let's say it's two team options at $5 million per, right? A nine-year, $45 million contract. Oh, my God. Yo, the, the the front office of the Braves were laughing their asses off, and that that pisses me off, man. Listen, there's it, it, that just shows you that the system is not fair, right? So to you, New York Yankees, oh, what, man. You, what what you know? It's it's starting a little shaky. I'll admit that, but I expect that they'll turn the corner because they play in a box. They're going to hit. Yeah, they play in a Little League stadium. I, I worked there once for my job. I oh, think, did you really? The I, the new one? Yeah. Oh, shit. I think I worked, when I when I first started that job, Um, I worked the PSCR championship game. And my, oh, wow, cool. E-ho, I think Eho played Tottenville, one of those high schools. And I, and I was, they posted me literally by home plate. <laughs> oh, nice. So when I was there and I looked at where right field was, I'm like, I could hit one out. Yeah. So... I know the Yankees are always going to be good because their stadium set up for them to be good. But their pitching is so bad. Why don't they get more pitching in the Yankee Stadium? Well, I mean, we brought up Dallas Keuchel, 
the fact that that guy doesn't even have a job. Fast. Guys, what are you doing? You're the money. Yankees. Money. Yeah, the Yankees don't have money. They want to charge us, like, you know, $100 to go to a... To, to, I mean, I, I, I'm going to, like, use all kinds of foul language. But, um, look, with the Yankees, it's still early. Yeah. They've got a lot of guys on the disabled list. Stanton and Duhar. It's uh, like we, we sweep... I'm a Met fan, listeners. And it's like Yankee, the Yankees and the Mets swap roles. Usually, right. usually the Mets are the hurt team, and the Yankees are winning. Although, games. like, remember, like that year the Mets went to the World Series. That was not a good year for the Yankees. No. For like a year and a half, the right. Mets kind of had the town. And I like, as a Yankee fan, I got tired of watching like Mark Teixeira and A Rod like pull their hamstring yeah. running to first base. <laughs> and so I was, I was really into the Mets that year. Like Harvey was Harvey and Syndergaard. And and Degrom before he was even what he is now, yeah. and Cespedes. I was like, all right, this is baseball. Like I, I I will watch this. So you know, like I'm a Yankee fan, but I I go where the good baseball is. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, they, it's still early, man. We gotta we gotta give them time to you know regression to the mean, and we need these dudes to get healthy. Although the Mets are playing well, how about this Peter Alonso dude? You know, we we spoke about it before we got on the air. And I said this thing, and I'm like, I, I've seen over the years, you know, the, the Mike Trouts, the Bryce Harpers, the, the Glaber Torreses of the Yankees. The Aaron Judges. Aaron Judges. And I'm like, when are the Mets going to get one of these guys that are just like phenoms? The last guy was probably, uh, what's his name, the shortstop? Jose Reyes? Reyes, yeah. Maybe David Wright more than Reyes, but still, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if Peter Alonso is telling me that he's coming through and he's ready for the show... I think uh, coming into the recording of this episode, he was batting 345, six home runs, 17 RBIs. And a hard 345. Yes. If, if it's the Mets' time to finally get their phenom, I'm here for it. You know, because it's difficult as a Mets fan. Like, that's why, like, you know, my Mets fandom is why I can't take Knicks fans seriously. <laughs> because <laughs> the Mets and the Knicks lose the same way, they make you invest. They make yeah. you watch the entire game, and then they lose at the very end in the most gut-punch-stabbing-in-the-chest way. So I just want the Mets to be good. You know, I, I, To I've be competitive. Seen, I've seen two Giants championships in my time as a sports fan, three Super Bowl appearances. I've seen seven NBA Finals appearances for my Lakers, five championships. Seven, the, wow. The Mets... The Mets. You've seen two World Series appearances? Two World Series appearances. Couple NLCS. And we lost the same way. Not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you inside the, the, the mind of a Mets fan. <laughs> the, nine, the, the 2000 World Series, we played against the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. We lost game one. We had Armando Benitez. Our, Armando Benitez. You know, yes. you kind of look like Armando Benitez. Oh. Has anyone ever said oh, that to you? Oh, the hell. <laughs> oh, the hell. He was good for them that year before he imploded in the playoffs. Vizcaino. No, he was on the Yankees, right? Yeah. He got the game-winning hit in game one. Yeah. All right. You yeah, see yeah, yeah. where I'm going? Former Met, Jose Vizcaino, right? You know, he's the only player to play for the Mets, Yankees, Giants, and Dodgers. Did you Get know that? I did yeah. not know see, that. See, there's a baseball Factoid. fact for you motherfuckers. I'm about, I'm about to call you Tim Kirchner now. <laughs> but, I would love that. But it's like we lost game one the same way in 99, of 2000, that we lost in 2015. We controlled the game in 2000. Mm-hmm. Got to the ninth inning in 2000. Lost. Controlled game one against the Royals. Got to the ninth inning with our Hispanic closer, who, who's, who just, <laughs> like, just like 
Benitez, Familia is very wayward, and he, he can backfire at any time. Yeah. Well, most closers are like that. And, Lord, no, not Mariano. Well, he's the one. He's the you exception know. that proves the rule. We come back to New York down 2-0. We win game three in both 2015. We found a way after controlling game four of 20, 2015 to lose that game. And then we lost by way of defense. Because remember, Ray Ordonez is hurt in 2000. We have Mike Bordick playing shortstop. Oh, wow. He was pretty good, though. Yeah, but a play that Ordonez would have made. Ordonez was the best defensive shortstop I ever saw. Yes. That guy was Hands amazing. down. Facts. Yeah. Bordick costs us a game indirectly. Daniel Murphy costs us a game in game oh, five. Oh, yeah. Listen, we lost. Well, he got both, you guys there, though. Yeah. We lost. With his bat. We lost both World Series literally the same exact way. So it's like now I tell people, if the Mets can win one World Series, I can die happy. Because I've I've lived through years of ninth inning losses, eighth inning losses, near misses. Carlos Beltran not swinging the bat one uh, time. Mets fans will never forget that. Swing Carlos, the bat. Carlos Beltran was a great player for you guys. Bro, swing the bat. I'm always going. I'm always gonna. I'm always gonna defend my Puerto Rican brother. As you should. I he love- was a he was a great player for you guys. No, you put it this way. You know, cards on the table. Beltran signing to the Mets. Showed the entire yes, baseball that world they were, they took that, it seriously. that we were a big deal. Yes. But not swinging the bat, bro. <laughs> it was a really good pitch so, by a guy who became a really good pitcher. I, Wainwright. I always jokingly said I would have swung after the catcher caught the ball just to say that I swung. <laughs> you just can't look at that pitch, bro. We had the best. You know, you know what it was? You know what it was, Langston? We had the best team all year. Not in the National League. We're we talking about 07? 06. 06. I'm talking about all year. The Mets were the Who's best Who was on that? Team. So, Carlos Delgado was Delgado, our first big body. Shout out to Delgado. Beltran. Reyes. Reyes right. right. Cliff Floyd. Ooh, man, that's... We had a squad. That team might win the World Series this year. You get all those guys in there. All our pitchers got hurt. We still got to Oh, Johan Santana was on that team. No, no, no. no. Oh, that was before? Two years later. Oh, okay. But we had Pedro, but he got hurt. Oh, yeah. Tom Glass. Glavin, right? Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin. Yeah. Yeah, wow. man. So it's like I've I've been this this, this bitter Met fan. Uh, but I don't hate the Yankees, though. Because at some point, you know what? I hated the Yankees for a second because of the Johnny Come Lately Yankee fans who used to shit on the Met Yeah, fans. I hate those guys, too, to be honest. I hate the Yankee fans who, like, don't know shit about baseball. Right. Like, I hate those people. But it was like, I, and you know what it is? I, I, t- I told people, I can't be a Laker fan and hate the Yankees because we are the right. same. I can't be a Giant fan and hate the Yankees because of the heritage that goes with the franchise. So who am I to hate on a team for winning? The whole purpose of sports is to win. Not to tank and lose and get draft picks. It's to win. (laughs) So I can't hate the Yankees. Love the subtle shot at Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Shout out to all our Philadelphia (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But it's like, I just need the Mets to win one. And and the way the Lakers have shown up in in a negative way recently, getting LeBron and failing, the New York Giants trading Odell and failing. What a stupid trade. What I a need, stupid trade. I've never needed the Mets to be good more than I need them to be good now. Should I be faithful to the Mets, man? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got a good team this year. Okay. And also, they've had... I think people overrate, like, Mets fans suffering. Like, the Mets have had good teams. The Mets have had it a lot better than, like, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates, for yeah, example. Yeah, but, but that's, that's what I was saying. It's not that it's suffering. It's that, like, it's in the big moments. way they yeah. lose in big moments. It hurts. The, you know what it is? Like, the Giants, while I always love the Giants for the most part, or even the Lakers, when we are losing, 
We get blown like, like let's say not game four, <laughs> but if we get swept. Yeah. And game four, we getting blown out. So I don't even have to spend the whole day. I could get mad in the first quarter. And like both of those teams have given you championships. Right. Yeah. And I can turn the channel. Right. We get smoked. We know how to lose. The Mets don't know how to lose comfortably. They'll make, like, put it this way, game five against the Royals as an example. Oh, was that when uh, Lucas Duda threw, the, threw Bro, the catcher? Yeah. after Matt Harvey refused to come out of the game. Oh, my God. That was, that was amazing. Like, I, do, do you, do you shame Terry Collins for bringing him back? Because if I'm Terry Collins, I think I would have got caught up in the moment, too. I got goosebumps when that happened. I can't, all right, now. This is where you would ask a Met fan. <laughs> I'm letting you into the, the mind of a Met fan. Okay. I don't blame Tyree Collins. You would have done the same thing, but, right? But in the moment, watching the game as a fan, I said, watch us lose. Because we should have took Harvey out. You know what I, what I would have done? after He walked the first batter, yeah, right? After, the after walk, he walked the first batter, I'd have been like, okay, enough of that. Like, let's let's but bring in familiar. Much like the end of Johan Santana's career, um... Terry Collins' emotions got the better of him. I thought Terry Collins was a pretty good manager. Nah, he's a good. He manager. was like quirky and weird, but he got a lot out of some really mediocre teams. Yeah, but those emotions in the big moments cost us. Cost yeah, they they also got you to where you were. Is is one hand washed the other? You're right, mm-hmm. hands down. You know, but yo, uh, this is Rand. Do you remember like a couple years ago when people would ask you who would you rather have, Conforto or Judge? That's pretty funny. I, I look think about that sometimes, and I just um, laughed at myself. At the time they were asking it, it I made was, sense at the time. Yeah, for but sure. then Conforto had that wild shoulder injury that he swung the bat. I was watching that game when he swung the bat, and I was like, "Oh, this doesn't look good at all." I think Conforto will be good. He'll never be Aaron Judge. Though. Aaron Judge is electrifying. Conforto to me is like it's like you you're asking, "Do you want like?" Who, who can I conf- com- compare? Like, so it's like, do you want do you want Mark McGuire or John Olerud? You know what I mean? Okay, John Olerud was a really good player. Conf- comparing Conforto to John Olerud. Conforto can hit, though. Not like John Olerud. John Olerud hit like 300 every year of his career. Not, hey, but listen, he had, to, he had to get there. Can, can we let Conforto live, though? I, I, I do not think. I think Conforto will be a good hitter. I don't think he'll be as good as John Olerud. So Olerud's. if he's 295, he's not, it's not as good as Olerud. <laughs> if, he, if he gets there, if he's lucky enough, we'll he see. Will, he will. He, he's got more power than Olerud yeah, did. Yeah. We'll see. All right, Robin Ventura then. How about that? Well, Robin Ventura was also a gold glove third baseman. Yeah, but... Are you just talking about at the plate? Uh, that's what I mean. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's where the comparison is like. Robin Ventura, yeah, that's a better... Because Judge's defense isn't, like, world-beating. Judge is a really good outfielder. Solid. Solid. He's not all-world right fielder. Um... Well, no, like, if Mookie Betts is the best defensive right fielder in baseball, Judge is definitely in the top five. Seven, maybe. Okay. Ten. All right. We're, we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. Um, no, I forgot. What you, I'm a little drunk right now. I forgot what your <laughs> question was. But we're talking about the comparison of Conforto to Aaron Judge. Oh, right. So How you, valid it was. You were comparing Conforto to... Uh, to what player? Aaron Judge. That, that, the no, 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 not Aaron Judge. It was another... John Olerud. No, no, uh, uh, Robin Ventura. Yeah, Robin Ventura. Yeah, Robin Ventura was like a home run hitter who didn't hit for average, well, but was a gold glove the, third baseman. Sweet base swing, the line drive hitter. He was know? a really good player. Yeah. He was on that Met team that, 99, like, 2000. Yeah, they had the best defensive infield of all time. They oh. had Edgardo Alfonso, Alfonso at second, Rare Donia's at short, Olerud. Robin Ventura and Olerud. That was a great Met team. Nine, 
The 99 team was better than the 2000 team when we lost to the Braves in 99. I agree. Remember when you guys would uh, would chant the Chipper Jones, Larry, And he would kill Larry. us. He, killed he named his son Shay. come on. Yo, come shout out to Chipper son. Jones. I got to get him on the Thirsty how, Degenerate. How do, you, how do you name your son Shay? How do you troll with your kid? Yeah, it's bad. But you know what? I, in a weird way, I have faith in this Mets team. Because things I have gone too. so bad for me sports-wise, in a weird way, like, I'm kind of like, the Mets might mess around this year. You know, maybe this is the year I can I can call out of work and go celebrate the World Series championship. <laughs> you know. All right. So in your division, right, you have the Nationals, who are still really good, yeah, even without Bryce Harper. Bra- uh, the Braves, the Phillies. You got the Phillies and the Braves. We're so, all going to kill the Marlins. Yeah, that's the thing. You can all get fat against the Marlins, who mm-hmm, are terrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at worst, the Mets can get like that second wild card spot. Yeah. Do you think they got a shot at the division though? Yeah. I think they got Let's a see. shot. But Once if I had the pitching a, figures itself out, I think that's what's going to separate us from the pack. If you ask me to bet money, though, on who wins the NL East, mm-hmm. I think my money is on the Nationals. Because no, the Nationals got yeah. the two alpha dogs at the top of that rotation. And with all those analytics and that opener stuff, still all about pitching, yeah. starting pitching. And they got, they got um, I'm drunk. So who are their top two starters again? Um, yeah, Max, Max Scherzer, Scherzer and the other and guy. Strasburg. Yeah, so uh, I think the Nationals win that division, but I could totally see the Mets winning one of those wild card spots. Here's though. where, you know, the Met fan in me is flourishing. If you're telling me that we could get Cespedes back in the second oh, half. Oh, yeah, of the good season, luck with that. If Cespedes comes back, to me, we're taking the whole thing. Dog, listen. You're from the Bronx, right? Yeah. I think Cespedes oh, boy. spent a lot of time at that Van Cortland golf course. Come on, fat. He's getting paid. To like swing a golf club, yeah. I don't think he's thinking about coming back. He had, a, but remember he had like foot surgery. Yo, that man is always hurt. I love Cespedes. When he traded for him, I watched him. I loved him. I told my homeboy Eddie, because Eddie wanted. I forgot he wanted Gomez. He was cool with Gomez, and I was telling him for months. Oh, the Puerto Rican dude. Yeah, yeah. I told him for months prior to even it being in a reality. I was like, we need to get Cespedes because I remember that home run derby. With, yeah, with the All Star game was at City Field. That's right. And he we made, were still on the A's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he made City Field look so small. I said, Yo, we got to get Cespedes. Yep. And and then he was like, Yo, when we got Cespedes, I told you, Cespedes. You if you telling me Pete Alonso, if you if if a pitcher has to go through Conforto, Alonso. Cano, Cespedes, back to back to back to back. Goddamn. I'm taking my chances with them Mets. I kind of just got an adrenaline rush. Yeah. That's a good lineup. That's a great lineup. What about the bullpen, though? Are Jeff you, McNeil. You believe in the bullpen? That's the problem. And well, you could always get another arm at the deadline. Yeah, but, that, but this is the thing. I always laugh about the Mets. Pitching was our strong suit for years. The starting pitching. The starting pitching is still good. The bullpen was solid, though. Now you're telling me we can hit. Because remember, we couldn't hit a worth of that. Now Before can, you guys got Cespedes, yeah. Now we can hit, right? Yeah. And, and now the bullpen is trash. Well, the bullpen is trash, but the starting pitching, if you guys push it and they give you enough innings, should make up yeah. for it. Yeah. With DeGrom and Syndergaard, if Matt's gets his act together. What to are you doing back. with Wheeler? Is Wheeler a starter? Is He's he a really? He's starting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the fifth guy is Lugo? Vargas. What's, what's up with Lugo? He's like our middle relief, long relief guy. 
Oh, so you threw the Puerto Rican under the bus. Okay, hey, man. I just, see y'all. He never does good as a starter. What do you want me to do? That's not true. Hey, that's what it is. This Yo, is he true. led us. He led the Puerto Rico to a birth in the finals yeah, at the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, shout out to Classic. the World Baseball Classic. But when he puts that Met jersey on, he's the opposite. <laughs> nah, he was a good starter for the Mets. He was all right. Whatever happened to that white dude with the long hair that wasn't, not like the... Gesselman. Get, yeah, 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 him, him, him. He's our eighth inning guy. Seventh and eighth inning guy. Oh, so he's like a, he's a late relief? Yeah. Oh, how's he doing? Solid. Give it time, bro. Give it time. They need to make a trade. They got to get a we need to just someone who knows Craig what he's Kimbrough doing in the eighth inning. Say, Pull up, bro. I find it baffling. And the Yankees' bullpen is really bad, too. Yeah. Uh, they got some injuries. But, but it wouldn't surprise me if you ended up with both of those guys, Kimbrell and Keiko. It wouldn't surprise me either. I, in fact, I'm not sure why it hasn't happened yet. Isn't that a great feeling to know that your team is always going to just spend the money and get the Well, guy? I mean, your team is in New York, too. Your team has the money. Well, we run it like we were in Idaho. We don't want to spend money. And they expect teams to pay premium off. prices... Yeah, well, well, I mean, he made off with their money, but they're still, you know, they still got it. I, I've gotten away with murder at City Field a few times. I'm talking about, like, lower bowl for, like, 40 bucks. So, let's, I'm not... Oh, well, yeah, let's let's I'm, be fair. Yeah, there were a couple... The Yankee tickets, that's just like, whoa. That's fair. In the some of the light years when they were losing, like, 80 games a year mm-hmm. or 90 games a year, like, you know, I was getting, like, 4 or $5 tickets. Fair. Take a girl on a date. She was fair. a Met fan. Be like, yo, I'll send you right on the third baseline, I've shorty. You want to ride with a baller? Yeah. You know, she don't know that you're paying five dollars for them tickets. Yo, I paid <laughs> I paid more for the beer than I did for the fucking ticket. <laughs> Want to charge you nine dollars for a fucking plastic and then cup you of go beer? To City Phil, you you got to spend thirteen dollars on a on a hot dog and fries and nah, a beverage. Listen, bro. Whenever I go to a baseball game, be it a Yankee Stadium, City mm-hmm. Phil, wherever, I always make sure to eat before. Right. And I I don't spend money on nothing but the beer. Well, my lady loves stadium food, so we're going to spend money on it. That's food. kind of a thing in baseball, right? It's yeah. like the quirky food that you could get at a baseball stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like New York, it's not big like it is in other places like Baltimore and L.A. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I drink, I'm a beer drinker, you know. Yeah, beer, J-Mo, yeah. Well, you know, if I, I don't drink Jameson when I'm at a ball game. If it's, like, hot, I drink. If you could you know, sneak it in, you would, though. Probably. Yeah. Yo, J1 no shame, bro. We we did about an hour and a half here. Flew by, bro. Yeah. This is so much fun. This this is what I wanted it to Let's be. Let's do it again, man. We Matter of fact, uh, I need to get you on my podcast. Yo, you were on episode one. I'm a little salty that Dini made it back before I did. I was, well, you know. I was I was in my bag. I was like, look at this shit. Well, Dini doesn't have a podcast, so You're I had right. to, you know. Dini, Dini showed out on our last episode. He really did well. Dini needs a podcast, and so does Sincere. Dini has a lot to say. I was telling you know what it is? What's funny was I was texting Sin. As I was listening to the show, I was like, yo, this guy, Dini, when we do the rap roundtable, he, he he becomes like zen. But when you get him, because he's come on my show as well, when you get him one-on-one, he'll he'll really show you the world. It is it is a much different dynamic. Right. Even between you and I right now, we're not doing this on the rap roundtable. No, no, no. Just because, like, we got to... Even me, like, all the time, I find myself having to pause because other people need to speak. Right. I could be myself when it's just you and me. You that's, know what I'm saying? That's, that's that's what I wanted it to be, the Kings County check-in. We got a little personal. We got a little boxing, a little baseball. We yeah. got it all in there. All man. my ladies holler at me. I'm still still a little depressed yes, over my God. breakup. <laughs> Facts. The, the breakup he created. Um, <laughs> I didn't, no, no, I didn't create it. She was acting weird. If you say so, I'm sipping on this J-Mo. I need you to do one thing for me before you leave. A little bit more so than you've done already with this episode. Identify yourselves to the world. I love that sound. <laughs> it's a cool sound. Underrated movie, too. Yes. Uh, 
I am Langston Leguizamo, Thirsty Langston on Instagram. No, 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 no. I'm a little drunk. Thirsty Langston on Twitter. Yes. The Thirsty Degenerate on Instagram. And I am on Facebook now because Jarvis pressured me to yes. join Facebook. Peer pressure. Uh, Langston Leguizamo on Facebook. The Thirsty Degenerate podcast. You can get wherever you get this podcast, and I would love it if you guys would listen. Um, we got a lot of cool guests. I just had Dini on there, who's one-fourth of the Rap Roundtable. So uh, check it out. Jarvis, thank you so much, man. No this doubt. was fun. I, I appreciate you for coming on and making this new venture in the gray area a success. Um, the Rat Roundtable episode, I believe, three. Is, three is out right now. And they keep getting better. It's, and that's the thing. Like, we are matriculating this thing, and it's getting better and better each time. That's a fact. You know, I, I look forward to the, like, even the social aspect of it. But to just be around you guys and to talk rap and just to see who's gonna say what, like when, when, when <laughs> like when Sin said that he liked the Future album, that uh, was yo, that was a what? genuine reaction. Like you like Future's album, I look. See, but he's to not that. consistent though. He liked Future's, but he didn't like Gunna's. Hey, dog, come on. Future's better than Gunna, man. What's the matter? Not by a lot though, but stylistically, it's very similar. It's in the same vein, but Future does it better. I'm not giving up on Gunna. Yeah, I give up on him, bro. Oh, come on. All but right. you know what? This, this is stay, a, stay tuned for episode four. Episode guys. four is, is on the way. We're going to the first week of May, right? Yeah. Right. Um, The Thirsty Degenerate. It was episode 12 is coming soon. Episode 12, yeah. right? Yeah. The episode 13, the dastardly number 13 is coming soon. Yeah, so I know you've been listening. Yeah, that uh, 13 is our goal. So yeah. once we hit our goal, then we're like really going to. the first or second episode, you talked about how 13 episodes is the cutoff point for most episodes, 90% of the podcast. Have you ever heard that? I've never heard that before. I heard, it so, I heard it on a podcast. Yeah, you know what it is? I'm so like stubborn that when I got into this pod game, I was like, I'm going to do this shit. So I didn't care about what the numbers said. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be good. And that's going to be that. You know what I mean? But. Yeah, your podcast, awesome. Thanks, that man. Round table, awesome. We are we are doing Gray some area. things. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty good. good. You know, it's awesome, man. Good, you know, and as the saying goes, whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect. <laughs>